The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Here's Scott and Jess. <laughs> Welcome. Well, what the hell are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about fully trained puppies. Yes. A completely trained four-month-old puppy. Right at your doorstep. Wouldn't that be great to be not great. have to go through all that training? Just buy them trained yeah. all up like all that? All set, ready to rock. Let's do the quirky tip, Before though. Before we do that, let's do the <laughs> tip of the day. Good job. Speaking of puppies, oh. I thought if you have a puppy, you're getting a puppy, a good tip would be to put a cat collar on that little eight-week-old puppy, you know, that first week that the puppy is in the house. Yep. Get them used to wearing a collar on their neck. It's not part of any training other than getting them used to tolerating having a little collar on their neck. Yeah. And uh, that being said, get a little cat leash too. Get a real little tiny leash and let them start dragging around a leash in the house. And the larger breeded puppies at eight weeks may not even need a cat collar. They may fit into oh, some dog collars. Oh, you get a 45 pound uh, yeah. English Mastiff puppy <laughs> at, at two, three months old and then you have to go to a big boy collar. But uh, the point that Scott brought up, and it was a good point, we were discussing it on the way here, was the first day the dog gets home, put a collar on the dog, even if it's a rescue. Because a lot of times we just think, oh, we'll let the puppy settle in and then you go for a walk and it's scratching for freaking 20 minutes. So Yeah, you don't want it to be such a big yeah. deal. You're trying to finally get and do, do a little training and they're so distracted by the collar that you can't even make any headway yeah, with them. You know? Just get them used to it. So quirky tip of the day, put a collar on your puppy the day it comes home, regardless of if it's eight weeks or a few months old. So and it's not going to upset them. You know, it's not going to be a big traumatic <laughs> event. So many people are quick to take collars off their dog as soon as they walk in the house. The, de the neck needs to breathe. Yeah. Oh, my God. Scratching their neck, making their yep. getting their hair all just, fluffed back just up. Just keep it on and the dog's going to get used to it. We're all going to yeah. be all set. That's what I think, too. Whenever Scott does the quirky tip, we like to stay in the quirky tip segment a little longer. But we're going to move on to oh, fully trained puppies. Okay. So I wasn't talking about the, the pinch collar. <laughs> yes, yeah, a Any, little fabric just, collar. Just, just a flat collar. In case collar. you're wondering. Uh, people people, people sometimes associate get worried. me with a lot of pressure. <laughs> the hammer is <laughs> here. What's he going to do? Put an e-collar on the puppy? <laughs> the hammer is here. Okay, so speaking of this topic and puppies, this is, what, what would you say, like a five-year trend or so? Uh, ten years ago was the first time. It was with the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, detection puppy for um, oh, like the seizure, like the seizure medical alert, alert dogs. Yeah, yeah. okay. Alert or so diabetic alert. It yeah, was. so that was a little bit different. I would say not the, at all. Well, that's more like a dog that has a task. This isn't just a dog bred to be a pet. So to me, okay. those are two different categories. That's fine, but still a puppy. They is were a doing puppy. it then. A yeah, puppy is a puppy. Yeah. So we started with the diabetic alert, um, seizure alert. Uh, what are the other ones? Well, those are the two that I those directly are the ran two into. More common and this ones. was, you know, purchasing a puppy that supposedly was bred to be a diabetic alert dog, and then purchasing the puppy with training from the breeder for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and we got a four-month-old puppy walking yeah. in the door that is supposed to be fully trained diabetic alert. With some alert minimal dog. foundational training. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that was. Going I don't on think then. that's realistic, personally. No, I think four months old. You're not gonna. I'm not saying that you can't get a puppy to go to a bowl that smells like um, glucose. Yeah, uh, saliva that has that in it. 
but there's, that's a bit of a stretch from alerting someone, hey, there's a seizure on the way here. No, know? I agree. And the thing is, with those kind of dogs, it's the same thing as a normal service dog, where you have a $10,000 dog to a $15,000 dog to a $20,000 plus dog. These dogs are trained for years for a very specific task with very specific genetics. So I didn't even know that we would be going here, but it is true. This was happening Where a while we back. Well, just with these like medical alert dogs and the kind of service well, dog stops being tied into this. About, yeah. yeah. But when you look at that, for one, a lot of these dogs that are these medical alert dogs that are working with someone, they need to work with the actual individual because there's some telltale signs that that individual is giving versus just another person with epilepsy or with low blood sugar or something else. So I would say, you know, not to cut you off there, but regardless of what type of training it is, it's always a team effort. You have a, if it's obedience training, that dog needs to work, the owner needs to get familiar with that dog and that dog needs to get familiar oh, with 100%. that owner. I would just say more so like for a seeing eye dog, for instance, or a hearing alert dog, oh, dogs like that. A therapy dog dogs, with, the, with the handler. Yeah, that's a team certification. Yes, but I would say, in my opinion, blindness and deafness and training dogs for that is a little less specialized than a person who is having has a seizure disorder or a person who is diabetic or something else because that's going to look different per person. Some people have an issue with their diabetes once a week. Some people have an issue with their diabetes twice a year. It all just depends on when they're testing and everything else. So those specific uh, medical problems and everything else, medical ailments and everything, those dogs kind of need to work specifically with the owner as well. In addition to that, it's a young dog. Like Scott said, you're not going to send a four-month-old dog home, four- to six-month-old dog home with any training that's going to be set for life. That's just the bottom line. Or with reliability. Yeah. I mean, you can get puppies to do a heck of a lot of stuff, but the reliability factor comes in with maturity. Yeah. You know, and experience. And age and practice experience. and repetitions. Yeah. yeah. So this has been... So that was happening way back when. I didn't really think about that. But I'd say in the last five years now, breeders have also taken this another level and they're breeding specific lines and then selling these pet dog lines as trained puppies, which is fine and works great for some of the homes. I will say the few that I've come across or that I've researched so far, the dogs do seem to be a little more uh, structurally well-bred. So, I mean, hopefully you would hope so for the kind of money we're talking, but the dogs normally are structurally well-bred. They're going to be genetically cleared for certain diseases. So there's benefit there just for that. But as far as the training itself goes, how realistic do you think it is um, to have a six-month-old dog that is fully trained? Like, where, where is your head about all that? Well, I think that no dog is... I mean, when you get a dog to a point where you feel they're fully trained, then there's maintenance training to go on from that point on. So they're always going to be backsliding if you're not maintaining whatever they have, mm-hmm. first of all. And, um, yeah, I don't know of any... Of course, I have, I guess, high expectations or I, I would require a lot from a fully trained dog, whether it was just basic obedience or detection. So I've never seen that in a six month old dog of any breed. Yeah. Meaning and I and I wouldn't put a six month old dog in a potentially dangerous situation that I would put a mature dog in, meaning a downstay in public, this traffic, yeah. this stuff going on. I'm not gonna take a six month old dog and go out and put him in a down on the other side of a road. And say, oh, yeah, that dog's totally dialed in. Because a butterfly might fly by, and all of a sudden their puppyhood pops in, and they're like, oh, let's chase the butterfly in in front of the Mack truck. Yeah. No, that's true. They have little puppy brains. And outside of that, I would say, like, I was thinking about this with our journey. So Scott and I 
wouldn't take a dog for like a board and train under four months ever. Uh, one, we want the rabies cert for the dog, any dog coming into our home. And two, like they do need a certain amount of development and everything else. And even with that said, some four month old puppies after a couple weeks or a month look a lot different than some other four month old puppies, depending on training. But there's this like very clear um, front end kind of contract written out with the client that like, hey, it's a four month old puppy. Like we're going to do what we're going to do, but it's going to be an ongoing journey at least until this dog is a year old. And like Scott says, there's always maintenance training with dogs. It's not like, Oh, the dog's trained. We're all set. Once, you know, I get a four month old puppy doing, you know, a basic heel, sit down, come when called, go to a dog bed, get on a bed, leave it, those type of things. That all still needs to be generalized. Yeah. So there's only so much I can do in the time frame I have a dog. Then that owner, if they want to do the responsible thing and keep progressing with that training, is taking that dog out and working on those things out in the rain and, and go to the mall and go to all these different places that are unfamiliar to the dog and help them work through it there so that you do now have a fully trained adult dog. Yeah. That's the goal. Well, and the thing about this situation, so you have a dog that's coming from breeder and they're probably going to get this dog out more often, right? So the dog's going to be more socialized than maybe a dog that you would have gotten if you haven't owned puppies before. You're not quite sure about what best practices are. So ideally the dog's getting out, meeting a lot of dogs, meeting a lot of people, having good interactions in the world. One part of the reason that our program is so successful and has been since Scott started this X amount of years ago is there's follow-up classes once the dog goes home. Like, On the other end, we're not just now shipping the dog back to the people and, okay, like everything's all set, plug in the computer and everything will just run normally. We're working with the people. We're working through these little training issues that pop up. There's kinks here and there. Things deteriorate over time. We just sent a lovely dog home a few weeks ago. Great dog, everything going good. Starting to get excited about skateboards and stuff again. So Scott's going. Now they're going to skate parks for follow-up classes, to public places for follow-up classes, everything else. Things kind of can deteriorate over time and change, and people need help tweaking things. So if that's going on, and these puppies are just getting shipped from one side of the country to the other, I don't know as far as the support and what that looks like. And I think the effectiveness of these types of programs may be a little less just based on that point alone. Yeah, I mean, doing some foundational work, I think that, Starting to crate train a puppy and housebreak a puppy before it goes home is a good idea. Yeah, I don't think having puppies all living on top of each other until they leave the breeder is the best idea. 100%. But I would say in this day and age, reputable breeders are already doing that even within your 8 to 9 to 10 week time frame, however long they're keeping puppies. Like this isn't now a next echelon of a program. Like many bre- people that are decent breeders are putting puppies in crates. They're getting the puppies out and about and with travel, they're starting to learn some sort of potty training method. So that doesn't necessarily exclude you from getting a normal eight week old puppy. It just means ask your front end questions and do your research a little more on the front end. Yeah. And I think probably the pet peeve in this whole thing is not that a breeder would keep back a puppy and do training for a couple of months. I mean, I think that's a good thing. The pet peeve is when they charge a lot of money. $16,000 for a four-month-old puppy. Yeah. To me, that sounds a little steep. Yeah. For, you know, I mean, what the hell? Is the puppy going to come be a magic go dog. home with a golden harness or what? You know? No, and, and if that's something that is within, you know, your money bracket and that's not a big stretch for you guys, it may be the right situation. But talk to multiple breeders that are doing it. Talk to people who have gotten these puppies. 
do a lot of front-end research on this situation because it's growing more and more popular over time. And you can see some of these places popping up on the Better Business Bureau and some you know, news starting to circulate throughout Facebook and whatever. Social media is ugly. You can find something wrong with everything and people can be nasty and cut somebody down here, there, and everywhere. But if you're going to make that kind of investment in a dog, which I would say an eight-week-old puppy these days is going for what, 800 to 4,500? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, between so, eight hundred and thirty-five, four thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah some different on. breeds, maybe five thousand dollar puppies. It just depends on you know what you're looking for and the specifications and the genetics. But if we're talking about now like another ten thousand dollar increase on top of a normal puppy fee, like what are you actually getting, and is that going to be the best fit for your family? So I guess really just do your front end research is where our concerns come up with all of this, and it seems like a very attractive situation to a lot of people, and I'm sure it works great for certain people. And like I said, the few that I come in contact with, whether through, you know, hearing it about other stories with trainers dealing with it or in our own business or something else, the dogs have been pretty structurally sound. They have seemed pretty genetically nice. It's very easy to see a puppy show up at three months old and be like, oh yeah, like that puppy has an issue with its hawk. Like there's, um, there's issues there. Like you can see these structural, yeah, you can see these structural, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> Cattywamped is a Williams term that we use frequently. I don't know yeah. how national it is. Yet. Well, I would say this too: if you're going to have, if you have a breeder that actually is also a good dog trainer, and they are out there, we know them personally, and you live within a drivable range from that breeder, then they could do the training of the puppy, yeah, and then and you could do the you. follow-up classes yeah. with them afterwards, yeah. and then that would all work out well. Yeah. But what I have found, or we have seen, is that a lot of these uh, breeders that are doing this are shipping puppies all over the country. So there's no way they're going to be doing the hands-on follow-up with the owner yeah. uh, that needs to be done. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the caveat there. Oh, I like to use caveat and, and cattywamp. Yeah. all in the hey, same let segment. let me pull out my dictionary. <laughs> all right, we're going to break. When we get back, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Does your dog lack self-control? Are you looking for some answers? Would you like your dog to be calmer? Does your dog lack confidence? Canine MindShift. Enroll in a free course today. Simply go to caninemindshift.com. That's caninemindshift.com. Okay, we're back. We're going to discuss a little bit about the pros and the cons of this situation a little bit more so, especially if our listeners or viewers were considering this route, just to flush it out a little bit more. So one automatic con to me, and it may not be the case, and I may be reading into it too much, but that dog is staying on the same property that it was born and raised on. So to me, a really good part of development with dogs is getting them off that property to the next stage of their life versus still having access to their mother, maybe other siblings, maybe, you know, other dogs that that puppy is used to. Like, it's just keeping the dog in that same environment rather than allowing it to flourish and grow into something else. Yes, and also a young puppy that's under, you know, that doesn't have its vaccinations yet is more susceptible to Giardia and a a host of other things. They like to eat crap off the ground. So the more the breeder gets that puppy off the property... If they did that, the more chance of the puppy getting sick before they even get it home. So it's in their best interest to keep that yeah, puppy that's true. on the property that's true. with their siblings and with their mom. Because another- if they bring that puppy home with... It just got some Giardia, and now all the other puppies yeah. got Giardia, all kinds of crap can yeah, happen. Yeah, and you're not going to send a dog home for that kind of money with an intestinal parasite, hopefully. But 
It I'll happens all the time. If well. we're going to talk about pros like that, I would say another pro is like Scott said, if someone nearby you is selling a breed that you were interested in, like you've been researching this breed, this is the dog that maybe you want to introduce into your home and your family, and that person is local to you, then great, go for it. If they can do some follow-ups with you, you know, over those next maybe month to three months that you get the dog home, work with the, the breeder, the trainer, all of that, just to help the puppy along. I don't see a big issue with that at all, if it, as long as it's financially feasible for you. I think that's another pro to these programs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing that they used to, I don't know, it doesn't seem as popular these days, but there was some type of military puppy program that breeders yeah. were implementing about 10 years ago. Yeah, and that probably was some of them would happen. now. They, they were putting them on like a little heat pad and they were doing all these different things with puppies to get their, ta- you know, their f- just get them moving, get them desensitized, get them more tolerant and stress resistant yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Environmentally sound. And that's, yeah, that's pretty cool if, if they're doing that kind of stuff. And and our breeder that we got our border collies from, I mean, I saw videos of my puppy, Jimmy, before he came home, and they had people coming to the to the breeder's home and laying on the floor with the puppies, and the puppies crawling all over them, and they were doing a lot of, they have all kinds of, you know, visually and stimulating things for the puppies to look at, play with, get into, trying to expand their consciousness a little bit before they yeah. go home, you know? Yeah, and all of those things, if they're being put in place and they're going right, that's awesome. I would say a con for me is if a dog, no matter how good the training is or how good the dog is, like we've said time and time again in this episode and probably throughout our whole podcast, you're only going to get so much out of a dog that age. The dog's still going to be maturing. It's not even gone through its first heat cycle yet. If it's a female, it's still got a lot of maturing to do as a male dog. I would say half the time males don't necessarily mature, especially strong males for like a couple years even, sometimes longer. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to have, the dog, yeah. so I, I just, I want to get everyone's expectations in alignment that whatever you're looking for, you're still going to have to put some grunt work in along the way. Puppies are still going to get concerned in new environments. There's still going to be potty training slip ups. There's still going to be issues with noise and fear periods and everything else. So as long as your head is clear about like, yes, I'm doing this, I'm committing to this, but there's going to be work ahead. I think there's no issue whatsoever with that. The con to me is that if you're approaching this, like, oh my gosh, sign, seal, delivered, write the check. I'm all set, ready to go and the puppy's just going to be alive for 15 years and healthy, and then, unfortunately, we'll lose it one day. Just yeah, get I your, your headspace clear. I think, yeah, the con comes in if they're advertising fully trained puppies. That's the con, because there is no such thing as a fully trained puppy. You know, I mean, if you want to get a puppy that has got two additional months of training into it, and um, it doesn't matter what you pay, it's what you're, again, what you're, what's being advertised and what your expectations are, because... Um, you know, one of the complaints I saw with one of these um, breeders was that the it was two working professionals. They didn't have a lot of time to train the dog. Yeah. So they left the dog. They said, yeah, do all the training. And they spent, you know, the extra $4,000 a month for this training. And then when the puppy came, they tell the puppy to sit because they want to do something else. And of course, the puppy sat, but then it got up and walked away. And they're like, the dog doesn't stay. The dog doesn't yeah. do anything because they don't know how to work with the puppy. And it's still a puppy. Yeah, and their expectations and just weren't in alignment. Right. And, but they thought they were getting a fully trained dog. But what does that mean? You need to really define that because yeah. that's just a general term, a fully trained dog. I have a lot of people that tell me, they call me for obedience training. And they say, oh, the puppy does everything or the dog do- does everything. We've, why are you calling me then? Yeah. Well, because it doesn't really do anything. That's why they're calling me. They've done classes. <laughs> yeah. They tell the dog sit. Yeah, the dog does sit, but there's no stay. There's no work under distraction. 
So it's almost like trick training, but nothing they can use in a real life situation. Yeah, it's not practical training. And the other thing about this is like, if the dog's getting potty training help, make sure you know what that looks like. If that means the dog is just living in an X pen and going to a potty box for another four months, that's not going to help your cause if you want to put the puppy in a crate and go to work for eight hours a day. Like that's not helping you. The puppy's now not getting adjusted to a crate. The puppy's probably not going to be used to not peeing and pooping in a crate. The puppy's used to having a bathroom at will, just going whenever they want. So be conscientious of that too. Even if these breeders and these trainers or whomever you want to label them as phrased that, you know, we're going to do added socialization and enhanced body training and called it something different besides obedience training. What are you getting out of that still? You know what I mean? Like what does socialization look, look like? How many people and how many dogs and where is the puppy going and being handled and being dealt with? And then the potty training is important. That's pretty much the biggest holdup, I'd say, with anyone that wants to get a puppy and why a lot of influx of rescues have come up because dogs get excited when they see a sign at the shelter that says fully potty trained. And granted, we'll be the first ones to say, create your rescues, give the rescue just a room, yada, 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 just to make sure it all goes well at first when you get the dog home. But that is a very alluring thing to think about. You've just potty trained three frigging kids. Now you got a puppy, you got a potty train, like, oh my gosh, it's a headache. So if the breeder is going to be potty training the dog during the time it's staying there, just specify what that looks like and what that means and make sure it's the same setup that you want to reintroduce the puppy into, or it's not really going to help your cause once the puppy is living on your home turf. Yeah, the other issue that comes to mind, I think, about, you know, the dogs I've always purchased have been sport dogs for me to work with to do comp- competitive sports. And um, you never want to have a puppy leave its mom before eight weeks because there's this stuff going on there that needs to get happen. And eight weeks is typically a minimum time. But at the same time, I don't want the puppy to be there for two more months because yeah. I want that dog bonding to me, yeah. not to its litter mates or some other puppies there, where now when it comes home at, say, six months, it's having a lot of anxiety because now it's separated from its siblings or whoever it's been with for six straight months. And now yeah, you're going through anxiety bit, It's issues. a little like, more shell-shocked. It's more yeah, shell-shocked. it's having more trouble, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. And, and that's probably something that Scott and I would stand by and say that we want the dogs to be more bonded to us than other people because of a working relationship, but it should be the case for any family. Like you want to have the dog come into your family and start integrating into your family and start being, becoming a family member of yours. So these are all just little tidbits to think about. And some of you may not even know that this exists. Some of you may be considering this route. Some of you may have gone this route and are pleased as punch. And that's more than fine. We're just putting it out there that this is something that people are offering. And do your due diligence beforehand rather than make an expensive... I would say that this is an investment. I mean, this is, this is, is. This is a lot of money we're talking about. $10,000 plus for a puppy under six months is a lot of money. Well, I would say this, um, not to interrupt Do your research you. on the front end. Uh, if you do want a fully trained uh, young dog and you don't want that hassle, you can do what, uh, what a client of mine did when, you, when I first met you. They had the puppy come from the airport to me. That's true. They picked the puppy up at the airport. They brought the dog to me. I did a bunch of training with this. Uh, it, was, it wasn't as young as eight weeks. So they didn't bring me an eight-week-old puppy. Yeah. They brought a, you know, it was a, I think it must have been four months at that point. Yeah, but, four months old. Uh, maybe because of travel, they couldn't take it earlier because of the summer. They wouldn't, couldn't fly this puppy earlier. But anyway, so we did a bunch of training with the puppy, and that dog was friggin' great because then we did these follow-up classes with the owner. And i uh, tell you, that one dog probably generated... 20 other board and trains <laughs> because this guy was walking the dog all around town off leash for the majority of its life. Yeah. 
And everyone would say, wow, that dog is incredible. And he'd give him my card. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah, that is true. So if you are considering this and you have a lot of stress load and stuff, there are a lot of puppy programs and a lot of programs that trainers have implemented. When Scott said another route to go is to, you know, have the puppy sent to me, we don't want all your puppies from all over the country. But a local trainer, if they're training dogs in this way and they have good reviews, that is another good route to look rather than just have the breeder being the end-all be-all. So Look into this a little bit more. If you're considering a puppy, winter is not the best time for puppies, but if you're considering to get one before the snow falls, if you're in a four-seasoned area, uh, get on it quick. And if this is the route you want to go, we support you, but do your research because we've had various uh, responses of how this process has gone for people, and we want to make sure you're happy. We'll see you guys next week. We have a special guest coming on. We're excited to share. And um, in the meantime, keep it quirky and enjoy your Wednesday. Thanks for joining us, guys. Take care, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.